started as any other day. Hello everyone, welcome to Macabre Reality, true stories of everyday horror. Matt's over there. How's it going? Good. I was trying to think of something else to say besides, and there's old there's, Matt. There's old Matt over there. <laughs> so I just said Matt's there. Yeah. So that's cool. Just direct to the point. To the point. Mm-hmm. That's, um, that's why we call you to the, to the point, Josh. Hmm, I never knew that's why. Josh, Joshy two points, for short. I like that. Um, real quick, I think we would love to give a shout out to everyone who's been listening uh, and reviewing and sharing we're seeing the numbers and it's pretty cool to see these things like we didn't right. we didn't know what to expect so we well, it was always to do well, it was all theoretical yeah. until until then so that's nice um so we love you we can't yeah. do it without you absolutely um, but a special special shout out to our irish people in ireland <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry that's not being offensive because we actually charted in the top 200 on itunes in ireland so a top of the morning to you over there. Yeah, a top of the morning to you. We love you too. Thank you so much for listening. So because of all of that, today we have yet another two for one, an extra large thematic episode for you. And uh, actually this one might be familiar to some people out there because you know, there's been a documentary on one of them and there's like, you know, footage of the other. There one. was footage and there was a Megadeth <clears throat> song about the other one. Right. I forgot about that. Enjoy this kill machine episode we like to call. Thanks for nothing. Sean Nelson had been having a rough go of things. Over a five-year period, both his parents had died of cancer, his wife had divorced him, he suffered neck and back injuries in a motorcycle accident, and he began to abuse drugs and alcohol to an ever greater degree. His luck would only continue to fail him in the ensuing years as he found himself out of work, alone, and soon to be homeless. On May 17, 1995, he would respond to his mounting woes in a manner that stunned the world and which is shocking to this day. This is the San Diego Tank Rampage. Did you say May 17th? Uh, yes, I did. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, my birthday is not on May 17th, but that's cool. Born in 1959, Sean Timothy Nelson came from a blue-collar family living in the Claremont neighborhood of San Diego. Josh, have you ever been to San Diego? Never been to California. Nope. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you? I've been to San Francisco. Oh, that's right. But that's... Uh, it's not close to San Diego. Oh, but this, San Diego's from the, the, south or north? It's uh, I think it's the biggest city in the farthest south. Like ah. I think it's not far from the Mexican border. Okay, very sunny, it. sunny San Diego. I used to be a Chargers fan growing up. Yeah, I've always Stan Humphreys, Junior Seau. Yeah, yeah. Oh right, yeah, Junior. Yeah, mm-hmm. fifty-five, baby. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. In 1978, Sean enlisted in the army and served in a tank battalion in West Germany. In 1980, he was honorably discharged, although he had had, quote, multifaceted disciplinary problems during his stint in the military. However, any issues Sean may have had in the Army seemed to be well behind him by the mid-1980s. He was married and was enjoying success as a plumber back in San Diego. Quote, we had a pretty good life for six years, his wife would later say. We owned a home. He was a successful plumber, and I was a legal secretary. We had it made. But happiness is ever fleeting, and there were dark clouds on the horizon. So. Yeah, there definitely was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he had the the quintessential like 
um, downward spiral. Like from a bird's eye view, it looks like in the course of what five years you said. Yeah. And we'll get to that in just a second, yeah. but I kind of want to recap. So what his issues in the military yeah. without, without giving away the story right now, like, mm-hmm. but just given what you know, how things happened for him later on. Yeah. What do you think were the, what do you think they mean? First of all, by multifaceted disciplinary problems and what do you think they were? I think, it just, yeah. What do you think about that? I think that he had, I think he had, and this is just pure, pure speculation. Cause there's no, yeah. like that's all, that's all they we have on it as far as what the articles said about it. I think he just has mental, um, and a mental illness and I'm, it's, it was probably like bouts of just breaks of reality or whatever. And mm-hmm. I don't know what he was doing, but well, I think it was drug use. Um, oh, like drug use while right. in the uh, It seemed like that was really the thing that fueled his downfall as we'll, we'll and get getting to. Drunk. But he I, I suspect that's what yeah. he did when uh, there, I mean, this is just, you know, suspecting, but in the military, probably that was the a recurring issue for him. And that's yeah, what referred to that sense. comment of multifaceted. So it might, you know, when you get drunk, you might do other like property damage, something like that. So right. yeah, I, I think yeah. what they mean by that is he got in trouble for multiple things. Yeah. I went too deep with it. I think. From, yeah. You went real deep with that. Yeah. Yeah. I went way too deep, but I think that is what ends up happening. I think to the there extent that he had mental health issues, it was a direct result yeah. of, I guess we'll of, talk about that of the drug addiction. In 1988, Sean's mother died of cancer. It was around this time that Sean began to abuse alcohol and worse methamphetamines. So he's on, okay, he's on yeah. the bad one. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and I read in one article that he, uh, he apparently had some problems with it in high school. So that's what made uh-huh. me think he might, he might've carried those problems into military if that was true. And then it might've gone away for a while. He kind of got his act together. Yeah. And then the, maybe the, the stress over lo- losing his mother kind of led him back to that. Yeah. He did something hilarious while he was on meth, but we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, by 1990, his wife had had enough and divorced him. That same year, uh, Sean was in a motorcycle injury in which he suffered neck injury, neck and back injuries. Uh, he was treated at Sharp Memorial Hospital, the same hospital in which his mother died and for which he blamed his mother's death. Uh, during his treatment after the motorcycle accident, he attempted to walk out and would later sue the hospital for $1.6 million, claiming they had treated him without his consent. This case was dismissed. So <laughs> yeah, I bet it was. And they actually countersued him for six thousand for his bills. Yeah, for the bills. Yeah, for the bills to take um, care of him. So he, you know, he's got some he bad bad blood with his hospital. I mean, he tried it though. You got to give him that. I mean, if he would have won, that'd have been crazy. Yeah, and so basically, he <laughs> sued them for like uh, battery and false imprisonment, basically because they treated him and wouldn't let him go. And so <laughs> because he probably wasn't ready to go yet. Right, because he, he probably was, was pretty serious. I mean, yeah. I, and I think those injuries plagued him for the rest of his life. Uh, then in 1992, his father also died of cancer, and his downward spiral only worsened from there. There you go. While he had opened his own plumbing business in 1991, Sean's recurring neck and back problems hindered his ability to work and likely pushed him deeper into his addiction. His behavior became increasingly bizarre. Said one of his neighbors, quote, He was kind of obsessed with the idea he had minerals in his yard. He installed a hot water heater for me and talked about mineral rights. He was going to sell his house for half a, for a million dollars because he had all this gold and oil in his yard. I thought he was a little odd, a little kooky, but he was a nice man and gave me a nice price. <laughs> I think, and, I think, and he had this whole quote on his billboard advertising his plumbing agent. Uh, plumbing the whole company. quote? Yeah, that whole quote. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't, but that would oh, be man. awesome if you put that on there. My neck. 
or that, if that was a quote from the guy in the commercial for his, for his plumbing business. Sean dug a 15-foot hole in his there backyard. I know this is what you want to talk about, Josh. Yeah. Uh, often working at night, digging this <laughs> 15-foot hole uh, under the glare of floodlights, searching for gold. Yeah, his neighbor said they would uh, hear him screaming at his roommate and then going and digging at night mm-hmm. nonstop. And, dude, he, he, he dug a 15-foot hole to look for look for gold he never found gold there's a picture on google you can look it up of his brother climbing out of the hole on a ladder and it's impressive like he right put things on the side of it so the the, the dirt wouldn't fall in so it's not like a he regular dug a hole. proper hole he dug a square well, he, I he saw, dug a okay. shaft basically no, so uh, okay then that makes sense because everything i read actually did say shaft but i was like just because you okay. dig it and say you're looking for gold doesn't make it a shaft but apparently it sounds it, like it he looks actually, like a shaft he put walls on it and stuff so yeah he put walls cave on, in it. on it yep okay so I mean, he, he built a, a shaft. Then it was a 15 foot, uh, and some of the, some estimated 20 foot uh, shaft. Yeah, he dug into his. I saw that too. Into his backyard, and I know he didn't find anything. But it's impressive that he didn't. How hit did he any not hit anything? Or pipes or anything? Like a, yeah, like gas. Yeah, lines. I don't know that's, how it is. In to California, me, that's the most impressive. Yeah. part about that story. You got to call 411. Call for your dig. Uh, his his yard was littered with trash, scrap metal, and engine parts, and then. He, Another article I read said he would mow his lawn in the middle of the night, but I'm thinking how did, how Man. is there a lawn left to mow between a, the mine shaft and all this the trash and engine parts littered around your yard? Yeah, I don't how know. can you even mow your lawn at that point? You just uh, triggered me though because there's a guy in my neighborhood that mows the lawn at night. Really? So he might yeah he might do something like this. He might be digging holes and stuff. I mean, it could be they work you know like. But different it's the, shifts. It's in the middle of it. I mean, but it's like you I'm would think about that you, you would think there'd be a time when it wouldn't be the middle of fucking night. It'd be hard to mow the grass at, at ten o'clock at night when you. How can't you see, see what you're doing? Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, mowers got lights. I can I understand that, but yeah. at the same, I mean, you're not going to get the whole yard. I don't know. I don't. I I just wonder. Whatever. Yeah. I digress. <laughs> that would you. suck. I always, I gotcha. always <laughs> digress. Right. Yeah, I always want to hear people mowing the lawn at night. Just I'd be like, what the fuck? That's crazy. But you actually have that going on. Yeah, it's scary. It's not crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's like, be, something it's like else you hear something here. at the wrong time, something yeah. familiar at the wrong time, and it sounds right. weird. Yeah, and I can't think of anything else, but mowing the lawn at night is scary it as shit. Sounds like crazy person shit. Yeah. Okay. And in this case, it was. In the year leading up to the rampage, uh, the police had been called to his house nine times for various reasons. Oh, shit. Uh, one of those times was, was to report that his van and plumbing equipment had been stolen. This effectively put Sean out of work and un, unable to pay his bills. By 1995, his house was in foreclosure, his utilities were shut off, and a month before the fateful day, his living girlfriend left him. And it was described as a huge blow for him. Yeah. I saw also that one of his living girlfriends, and I don't know why they keep saying live-in girlfriend, just a fucking girlfriend that lives there. Why the fuck? Well, I guess to, died, em- to emphasize that. Well, I saw one that said she died. Yeah. But I, I don't. I think they're talking about the same person. I just think every, every, every report I saw, including quotes from the family, so indicated she, moved, she out. moved out. Like she left him. Maybe he, only. I only found one article that said dead. she died. Uh, she was dead to him. <laughs> yeah, I, that might be what she said. And they yeah. just, you know, on Wednesday, May seventeenth, nineteen ninety-five, Josh's birthday, around six p.m., <laughs> Sean, shirtless and disheveled. Drove to the nearby California Army National Guard Armory in Kearney, Kearney, Kearney Mesa neighborhood. What do you think it is? Kearney. In the Kearney neighborhood, Kearney Mesa neighborhood north of downtown San Diego. 
At that time, and despite the Oklahoma City bombing, which had occurred the previous month, vehicles entering the armory grounds were not checked nor credentials required. And which, he was, could have been very helpful because he had no shirt on. So yeah. I think that's one of those. All right. <laughs> Listen, we got we to gotta talk to this guy. Yeah. But he don't have a shirt on, man. And he keeps saying that Oklahoma stuff was good. Yeah. That he was did, good stuff. He did. It's, it's unclear whether he meant that for, like, he agreed with the political motivation or if he just enjoyed the spectacle of it. But he did make that cryptic comment. And he had no shirt on. He kept saying this shit. It's like, we got to talk. He's like, move on, sir. You're good to go. Go right through. Further, employees at the armory were working late, and the gate to the vehicle yard was left open and unmanned. Yeah, so he really didn't even talk to anybody. He was just, no, he, he just drove right in and then just walked right into where the tanks were. <laughs> into three tanks. <laughs> Sean, Sean entered the yard. Yeah, he got, into, he got in and attempted to start two tanks with no success. But just like I was thinking of Goldilocks and the, the three bears. Oh. Uh, first like one it. was too cold. Second one was too hot. But the third one was just, just right. Just right. Just right. The tank... An M60 patent did not require a key to start. Sean simply pushed Push the, button, button, the ignition button and the 57-ton war machine rumbled to life. Oh, we? We need, to get some, we need to get some, like, fucking diesel engine noises. Yeah, we need, well, a tank, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> maybe uh, an M60A3 patent tank, to be exact. Yeah. 57-ton. And I, let's... I'm just going to ask you now, did you watch any of the videos? I watched the all of the videos, chase? man. He yeah. des- did you see where he destroyed the light, uh, the street oh, light? Yeah. <laughs> he destroyed I'll, I'll he mention that. I'll talk about that in a moment. Oh, yeah, dude. And he was just flattening cars. He, I mean, it's a wonder he didn't kill anybody, thank goodness. But. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, is like they had one, at the scene towards the end where it stopped, which we'll talk about. Yeah. It was just hearing how loud those tanks are. Like, yeah. I didn't realize. They, they, they're like a fucking tractor or something. Like, they're yeah. extremely loud. Super loud. And they keep saying, like, I know we're going we're gonna to talk about the chase and everything. Go ahead. Never mind. We'll, yeah. We'll get, we'll get there. Uh, the patent tank, designed and formally deployed for a potential war with the Soviets, smashed through the, through the armory gate and into an adjacent residential neighborhood. Residents who were not unaccustomed to seeing a tank in the neighborhood were quite unaccustomed to what they now witnessed. The tank began flattening nearly every vehicle parked along the road. One woman was trapped in her car when Sean ran over the front of it. Another vehicle, a 1983 Cadillac, was flattened to a height of two and a half feet. Which you can see online. Yes. I mean, you can see the, tra- the track marks mm-hmm. going leading up to the car and then on the car, like hot dog yep. style. That car uh, is flat as fuck. You can, you can Google it right now. Yeah. The tank swerved to demolish RVs, smashed a van into an RV, and ran over one fire hydrant after another, leaving geysers of water along with flattened and demolished vehicles and stunned onlookers in its wake of destruction. The scene would later be described as looking like a war zone. And it does. This is fucking wild. So, yeah, so this armory is right next to like a residential area. So initially, and it, the, the rampage goes through several phases, but the initial phase is basically through a neighborhood. Yeah, and he's just kind of running along the side, uh, targeting car vehicles that are just parked along the road in this neighborhood, and just flattening them. And there's there's a few RVs like we mentioned, and he just kind of gutted out these RVs. Just basically did not have to, um, did not have to make way for anything because he he was going to be able to run over anything in his path. Not long after the rampage began, police were notified by a detective who said he was following a tank that was rolling over vehicles. Soon, a helicopter appeared overhead. The officer inside repeatedly blaring over a loudspeaker to residents, quote, this is the San Diego police. Get out of the streets. Get back into your house. You're in danger. 
And if you watch yeah. the, the the longest video I found of it, which is 14 minutes, which covers the majority of the chase, actually, you can hear him shouting yeah. that out oh, yeah. over and over just because everyone like is like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Because I guess they are, were accustomed to seeing tanks because they have three of them just sitting. Well, over so there, well, there's 10 tanks at that armory or there oh, were. Okay. And so they're in that neighborhood right next to the armory. So I guess they were, it wasn't weird to see a tank maybe rolling about, but they didn't usually run over the cars and shit. <laughs> right. On Baghdad Street, which I thought was interesting, uh, the, th- the tank thundered past an elementary school. Soon thereafter, making a left turn, uh, the tank ran onto a lawn and stopped just a few feet short of a house before backing up, clipping a fire hydrant, sending a 50-foot geyser into the air. Fuck yeah. Did you see that That's clip? That's awesome. Yeah, oh yeah. I watched all of them. I read, well, see, here, here's what happened. I read an article that like mentioned this part, and it said he stopped 20 feet short. And then I went back and watched it. I was like, he's fucking, he's almost touching the wall of yeah. the, the house. Well, I'm glad he didn't run into the house, too. That was yeah. good on him for that. And they did mention how he didn't seem to be targeting people, although some quotes would kind of seem like they dispute that. But it didn't seem like he was targeting people, mostly just trying to like run mm-hmm. over cars, like stationary cars, mm-hmm. and run over uh, utility equipment. Yeah. Um, from so from that point when he almost hit the house he wound up backing up and then completing his left turn from there uh, the tank headed towards a more commercial area at which point he started running over uh, running down telephone poles and traffic poles one of which caught on the tank's main gun and was dragged along for what like a few hundred feet uh, oh it stayed on there for, for a yeah for yeah. a while yeah uh, before dislodging and it looks crazy. <laughs> he just took it the fuck out it was like yeah. nothing yeah I mean it just it running nothing. over so these big uh, pole traffic light overhangs you know and yeah and just and they, running them down and it, it just they broke off like toothpicks they kept saying like it's you know it's only 30 miles an hour so it's much slower than a normal chase but when yeah so maximum speed tank, yeah i'm glad you mentioned that yeah maximum <laughs> speed is 30 miles per hour but it's a 57 ton yeah. vehicle yeah. it's the sh- i mean it's pancaking cars man you have to look it up it's fucking wild looking yeah and just to so you can get the visual right the turret of the tank is pointing backwards. The main gun is pointing backwards. So at first glance, it looks like the tank is Dude, going in reverse the I whole time. I was just about to say that. I was like, was, and also, because in that same video, was he driving backwards? Right. No, he's driving forwards. So, and I just looked this up, so I'm not like expert, but so the top part of the tank is called the turret. Right. That's the part with the main gun. And then the lower part is where you drive it. And that part's called the hull. Okay. So to drive it, he's going to be down in the bottom part. And so I think the tank was just, the turret was just maybe parked that way backwards. Maybe just that, that's how they park them. I was laughing so, because I was like, this man's driving backwards. Yeah, that's what I, when you first shit. look at it, that's what it looks like, uh, that he's driving it in reverse the whole time. That dude's wild. But, in, yeah, so this guy had experience. I mean, he was in a tank battalion when he served in the military. Right. So he knew how to, and I guess he was probably a driver. Yeah. Because um, he knew how to handle this thing. He knew how to dig a 15-foot sh- mine shaft. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he, he's too. got some, so. he's got like that mechanical skill set. He's got it. Uh, and speaking of the tank's armament, so we, we talked about that uh, traffic pole getting caught on the main gun. That was a 105-millimeter main gun. It also had a machine gun and an anti-aircraft gun. But the weapons were not loaded as the ammunition was kept in another part of the armory from the tanks, which was about the only thing the armory got right that day. Yeah, and I wonder if he would have used it because I don't know. Well, it wouldn't be possible to drive the tank and use it. So maybe he could have parked it somewhere and then right. climbed up into the turret to fire. Right. Because I looked to up, fire, um, I looked up what a tank looks like when people are inside of it. It's like a three person. Right. There's, gig. Yeah. There's three people that seem to handle the firing stuff. And then there's the driver who's down, down in the lower in. part. Yeah. Yeah. Man. yeah. It looks crazy. It does. 
Is you, so you would absolutely be driving backwards at some point. It's not like you can just turn around and, oh, now it's frontwards again. Because that's what kind of what I thought well, at first. Yeah, no, no. The you, turret there's, can there's be. The, the turret can move around. And that's the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure the driver doesn't control that at all. No, so, like, he's he, down in the... It was yeah. like that when he got in. Because one, one of the articles I read quoted um, a witness saying that uh, the turret... He spun the turret around to knock over a pole near a gas station. <laughs> awesome. But I was like, that's not, I don't think that's possible if you're, um, if you're driving. I think oh, right, the guy, right. there has to be somebody in the turret to control the turret um, because they're the ones firing the gun. So they need to be able to move it around like, right. uh, in a 360 degree motion. So he, he couldn't have been controlling the turret. So I think that maybe when he was making a turn, it just seemed like the turret was being spun when really it was the whole tank was going yeah. around. It must be scary to be the driver when you're, you know, not try not to run over IEDs and stuff like that. Right. That would be. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you can't see them. You don't know if you're going to run over them. Right. And then you're down there with it. So man, inches away from it. Yeah. But if you're driving through San Diego, it's probably going to be a lot more fun. Oh, I'm Cause you're sure not worried about any of that. I'm sure you had a blast. Oh, well, we'll get well, to that. We'll, we'll someone we will get blast. to that. Um, <laughs> Uh, one witness, Sandra Pinnell, along with her daughters, was stopped at an intersection when they saw the tank approach. Quote, I decided to give him the right of way, end quote. You decided. Right. Bitch, that, you would have been I, smashed. Shut the fuck up. I hope you, you know what? I hope you got squished by something else. I, I had to include that. She's like, Don't oh, that's, that's nice. Uh, Sandra Pinnell. Sandra, I hope you're doing well. I'm, I'm just kidding. I hope you listen I to this podcast. Was, uh, but that was a dumb she quote. She decided to give the tank the right away. Maybe she said it tongue in cheek. I don't know. Of course. I mean, but, of course. Right. Oh, you know what, Sandra? You're pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> the tank then turned and headed in their direction. Uh, this is Sandra and her daughters in their van oh, at an intersection. And this is where they claim to have caught a glimpse of Sean's face. Uh, said one of the daughters, quote, he was laughing and his eyes were bulging out of their sockets. And then another witness also said he could see Sean's face sticking out of the turret and quoted, uh, he looked like he was having fun. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm calling bullshit on it because <laughs> we just talked exactly. about how a tank runs. Exactly. Unless he climbs up while it's rolling. No, you don't. He, no, you know, that's like, I don't know. That's, do you he is a fucking crazy it, that motherfucker. doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So. Exactly. It sounds like all the, these witnesses are full of shit because they all say things that aren't possible if, with there being one guy it's, in the tank driving it. Yeah. So you can't have your head sticking out of the turret because that's a different compartment of the tank if you're driving the tank. But that said, you can. there's a hatch over the hole where the driver's seat is. That's how he gets in. And so he, it's possible that that could have been open and you can have your head sticking out. Like and I've seen pictures that of that. Was... But not to blow out the microphone. Cool. No, you didn't. But um, when I look at the video, it doesn't look like it. And then you hear the the officer of the helicopter um, speaker saying that as far as he can tell, all the hatches are closed. Yeah. And so that makes me go again and wonder, like, how could you see his face? Like, what are you talking about? The only way you saw his face is if his head was sticking out. Yeah. And and from all the images I see, that's not happening. The top hatch was closed with a bolt. Like well, yeah, the, the, the hatch that goes down into the turret was closed, but and it no, also it, looks calling, like so. There's a hatch, yeah. So on the tank, on the hull part, the lower part, like right below where the main gun is, if it's if it, the main gun is just pointing forward, there's a hatch for the driver's seat. Okay, because he doesn't climb down through the turret to get to All his right. seat. I don't think. I think he just goes directly through his hatch, and you can have that hatch open and be looking out, like not be covered up, and drive the tank. But That'd when I sick. look, but you can also have it closed. You know, obviously when people are shooting you. 
And when I see the video, it looks like it's closed. And the and the officer on the helicopter Even said, yeah, as far as he can tell, they're closed. So I'm calling bullshit, I guess. Okay. Although, I mean, they were there. I wasn't. So maybe he had it. Maybe he closed it well, later. But it sounds like the town, like. Maybe it was, was open at fun. first and then he closed it later. It sounds yeah. like everybody had a little, like. Exactly. A little it sounds like everybody kind of sounds like they're full of shit. It's like, what are you talking about? You could see his face. It's like he came by and then I gave him a high five. I said, good job, buddy. And he winked at me. And he winked. Uh, he said, don't worry, I won't smash your car to pieces. Well, and, you know, and he, said, he really he did not. He had times when he probably could have run over like an occupied vehicle mm-hmm. and he didn't really go after them. And he stopped with the, on the house, too. So he, I don't think he was yeah. trying to hurt anyone. I, I think, think he, was, he just, was on a joyride. You know, some people, yeah, yeah. I don't even, well... And it was, we'll, we'll theorize when we get at the end to the end of the story, but he might have just been trying to have some fun. Yeah. Sometimes you know everything's things are not going your way. You just got to go have some fun. Mm-hmm. By this point, the tank was surrounded by a phalanx of police cars as it rumbled toward the freeway with billowing black smoke seeping from its exhaust, and that was cool too to see. So like they have this big exhaust system in the back. Yeah. And you just see black smoke just pouring out oh, of it, okay, like when yeah. they when they kick it into gear and stuff, like not constantly, but. Um, that was another cool thing to see these things like yeah. in operation. Uh, while on Interstate 805, Sean rammed the tank several times into a concrete pillar supporting a pedestrian overpass in an apparent attempt to put an obstruction between the tank and the pursuing police cars. Which is a good idea, but he didn't That's do it. That's military training. Yeah. Well, he couldn't take it down. Yeah. And he should have learned from this experience. As Not we'll to see, concrete. Exact, it's most likely, I mean, reinforced concrete. Oh, it's got rhubarb. So it's got sure. rhubarb. It's, it's got steel rhubarb. It's got it's rhubarb. rhubarb. It's got rhubarb, man. It's, it's got, delicious. It had rhubarb on top of it. <laughs> stupid. Fucking stupid. And then and it's got, yeah, steel rebar webbing inside of it. So And he couldn't, it didn't really do anything to it. I mean, I'm sure it did, but like from the video, it doesn't really look like it did much of anything right, to yeah. this big shit to it. reinforced column. Um, so he, so he continued on to freeway on route 163 and it was here that he, um, tried to, as we mentioned, go over a concrete barrier in the median. So he's in the southbound lane was trying to bust over into the northbound lane. And I bet he thought it's, this is going to be no problem. He fucking didn't, he had a chance to learn his lesson without it costing him, uh, at the pedestrian bridge. He didn't learn. He did not Don't learn. fuck with concrete. You can't fuck with those things. Those are death shoots, man. When they when they're working on the highway, like on on our highway here, eighty five, mm-hmm. they have them. There's no, sh- I mean, and eighteen wheelers are going through there. A bad accident just happened last week, killed three people. Right, because there's nowhere to go. Right. So you, yeah, you're not. Well, and that's in a car, yeah. obviously. But yeah, even in a car, but, in an the fact that even a yeah, an eighteen wheeler, because that's didn't I mean, do they're, shit they're, to it. Yeah, a fucking yeah, even a tank, a fifty seven ton tank. It got caught on top of the barrier, and they said because it didn't bust through it, it just kind of ran up onto it and got yep. stuck. Uh, and that afforded police the opportunity uh, to put an end to the rampage. Several it, officers, uh, one of whom was a Marine reservist with tank experience, stormed onto the tank and with bolt cutters opened the hatch. Yeah, I think it took the track off, right? It busted uh, yeah, the track so off. when he got caught onto the, it was kind of seesawing on the barrier because it didn't bust through it. It got caught on it. Yeah. And so he kept uh, kind of turning left and right in a, in a 360 degree motion with the hull to try to jostle it loose, basically. Mm-hmm. And he might have succeeded, but in doing that, he caused one of the tracks to, dis- to come off. Yeah, and I know he was in a tank, but those dividers are exact. They do exactly what they're made. Right, to make. they're, they're meant built, to catch stuff on it. Yeah, to, to divide the fucking traffic. Right. how they're built, like low and strong as fuck, and they got the webbing in it too. You're not. It's 
It's to not let cars go on the other side of the right. road. So it did literally exactly what, what it was designed to, to do. do. Um, so kudos. You know, yeah. you always hear the stories of when engineering uh, jobs fail. Kudos to whoever built the concrete barriers and the medians. Great design on Route 163 in um, in San Diego near what was it? Gessino Avenue or something. I don't know. I don't know. Fuck it. It's somewhere around fuck there. That. Y'all San know. Diego. Fuck, y'all know where it is. Yeah. All San of Diego it. They probably, they probably did all of it. So kudos to them. Because yeah, it worked. That's what you call proof of concept. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you know, go. It fucking worked. Uh, so they they use and I didn't know you could open a tank hatch with bolt cutters. You would think you want them to be a little more secure. Yeah, because. You don't really but I guess in a war, there's going to be shooting. Inside of but uh, it but yeah, you can't really see it's them. Kind of cool. Inside mm. of a tank. Uh, that's mm. Sidebar. Yeah, fucking a little, little scary. You can get in with bolt cars. But they got in. Yeah, they got in. They stuck their heads in, made eye contact with Sean, and ordered him to surrender. And that's the only time I believe that they actually saw his face. Yeah. Then they so, saw, so that's not calling bullshit. They had to one. fucking break into the tank to finally see him. Yeah, so the other people that even further people are like <laughs> that further like, the bullshit call. He drove by and I saw him. His eyes were bulging. I saw him. He gave me high five. His eyes were bulging. I threw him, I threw him energy drink. He, he said, "Thank him, thirsty as fuck." And then as he went by, he passed me his jersey. <laughs> always shirtless. Always saying that Oklahoma stuff was good. And the funny thing is, most of the people like that talked about him said they liked him. He was just he was eccentric. He didn't sound like he was yeah. He didn't sound up until this. It's yeah. like he was a violent person necessarily. It it sounds like he's on the on the brink of like a some kind of mental illness. And when he takes meth, and, and right. obviously, well, if you if you have a meth addiction, you're going to be on the brink mm-hmm. of of some yeah. mental breakdown. Yes, um, and compounded with alcohol as well. Yeah, apparently they they could smell alcohol on him, um, his body after they they shot him. Yeah, they ordered him to surrender. He wouldn't do it. He kept trying to jostle the tank loose. So one of the officers fired a shot that hit him in the right sh- uh, rear shoulder. And I think he, he may have lived until he got to the hospital, which we'll get to in a second. Or it may have killed him instantly. I'm not sure. But he died. Or he was pretty much done after that. Yeah. And it they, was just they, one shot, right? Yeah, one shot. Yeah. Into his back. Right. And it, for a few articles, as I was reading along and getting, getting more and more angles on the story, I was wondering, like, was it right for the cops to shoot him? Like, but then well, when I looked at the video and so, cause that was based on the articles. Then when I looked at the video, I was like, oh yeah, they had to shoot him. Cause if he did somehow manage to get it free and, and get it into the, cause they were still oncoming traffic, like moving, yeah. they shut down the southbound lane that he um, got on was, the ramp yeah, and yeah. got on, but they had not shut down the northbound lane. And so it, he, if he had managed to get across, he could have caused, a, you know, a yeah. lot of damage. Well, I would say this back then they didn't have like stun guns, so they couldn't stun him. In the, in the mid nineties, yeah, I, I don't, don't think they had like a tase. Tasers, they may not have. I don't know. They and they said they couldn't do like smoke bomb or. If, I mean, regardless, even today, like under that under that situation, I feel like yeah, because you're you're dealing with a potentially. Well, he's already because you don't know if he's if whether or not he might dislodge it, and even without yeah, the tracks, yeah. I'm sure it can move into the uh, into the. He's in a fifty-seven ton weapon. Yeah, and he's already flattened cars, right. and he's still actively trying to get it loose. And like he's, yeah, he's, he he's, he's making it turn like that, like left <laughs> to right, real yeah. fast. He's trying he to get it off the the medium. And if he did, he would definitely pancake some motherfucker driving on the highway. Probably. You remember the Fast and Furious sequel, which I think it might have been seven. I think there was a tank driving down the road and it was just running over one car after another until it got to their car. I remember we watched this uh, oh, together. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Oh. Uh, then it got to their car, and that car was the only one that like didn't get crushed by the tank. 
they're too <laughs> like, fast. Too yeah, furious, they're, they're too fast, too furious. They reminded me of um, Austin Powers, I think, where mm-hmm. the dude got steamrolled by the steamroller. <laughs> it was like that's exactly what it twenty feet like. away. Yeah, he's like no. <laughs> Who was it? Was that Will Smith in that? It was somebody famous in that part. No, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it was Will Smith. No, not Will Smith. I meant That's Will insane. Ferrell. That same Will Smith. <laughs> it's the same person. It's the same person. That's the same person, man. You're, you're, you're wilding out, dude. Um, I meant Will Ferrell. It was, was that Will Ferrell? It might have been Will Ferrell, it but Ferrell. it might have been somebody it was that, else. No, it's not Will Smith. <laughs> it wasn't Will Smith. I know that. All right, anyways. Uh, so his body was dragged from the tank and taken to Sharp Memorial Hospital, the same hospital he blamed for his mother's death, the same hospital he oh. unsuccessfully sued after his Isn't motorcycle accident, and the same hospital that police suspected he was heading towards anyways on that fateful day. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he might have been driving towards the hospital anyways in that tank, hoping to tear shit up. He already tried to sue the shit out of him for taking care of him. <laughs> In the end, the rampage lasted 23 minutes, covered six miles, demolished over 40 vehicles, mm. as well as an assortment of public utility structures, and knocked out power to over 5,000 residents in the city for several hours. There you go. Specifically in the Linda Vista neighborhood. There you go. Where you, Linda where you get a good view of Linda. Mm. Oh, that's what that means. Mm. If I, my car would have been smashed, I'd have been so mad. What do you do? You just follow the insurance? Oh, yeah. You just go, hey. Remember the tank that you saw on the news? My car is one of those. Yeah. I guess they will cover that, right? I don't know. That's the thing. And, you know, they killed him, so he can't really do anything about it. Well, he wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. And that's why you have insurance. But he did have gold in that mine shaft. Well, let's hope so. so. Sean's older brother, Scott, would lament, quote, the man, and he said this without any irony, the man who died was only a shell of the person we loved. The real Sean died two years ago at the hands of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. And he also shell. said. Tank shell. Yeah. Shell. Yeah, that was. A, he didn't. Yeah. He Fuck didn't. You. Fuck you. My pun game is better than your no. pun game. Okay. He also said that. Uh, Actually, it wasn't my pun. He just said that. <laughs> he was watching it on TV and didn't know who was in the tank until they pulled him out. And that's when he realized it was his brother. He also said he wasn't surprised about. It. Yeah. He, are, he didn't condemn the cop. I, I don't know that he was necessarily for it, but he didn't condemn the cops for yeah. shooting him. No. No one, no one really did. I don't think. I don't think anybody really he, made a a fuss over it. I think there, it was questioned. Like, no, was, no, there were some that were questioning force it. Necessary. Yeah, well, there were some that were questioning it, and some talking about why couldn't you use tear gas or something. But the cops' response to that was that you know if they did have to try to get in the vehicle, like what if or if they what if he was disabled or whatever, yeah. you know, still by the tear gas, they still got to get in there. Yeah, and they can't have you know tear gas, but um, <sighs> you know that was ninety what ninety. Ninety-five, um, five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, cops were still killing people. I don't, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. I'll take that. Yeah, I think it was just the, you know, the takeaway is his, you know, his his addiction was his downfall. Yeah, he doesn't sound like he was a bad guy. Just a guy that had a, a hard go of things, and then his addiction is really what what took him down. Yeah, and I think which is a common it's common, common story. It's a common story, it, but he made it very uncommon. And well. But yeah. it, you know, hey, insofar as he didn't kill anybody else, I mean, right? That was, that was fucking. It was metal. That was fucking metal. Right. That's what I was gonna say. This well, man just had well, again, I I think, and you may say, I mean, it may be a chicken or the egg thing. Um, I think the addiction problem was something he had suffered. He had been going through from a young, like oh, from like high school, said, yeah, yeah, from Especially as early as high school, and it, and yeah, and, and from every 
every time you hear doctors or whoever talk about it, they say that's the worst one to be addicted to. It's, oh, the, yeah. it's the most highly yeah. addictive, highest recidivism rates and all that. And, and it can so, make you have delusions. It can, it can oh, yeah. push you into all that. If you get, if you get into years. a full-on addiction with that shit yeah, yeah. Um, and things really spiral out of control for you, then, yeah, I could definitely see a meth head going and fucking jacking a tank and driving through the neighborhood. Yeah. It, we Is did. that surprising? And that, I mean, no. Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah. But it's just crazy that if anybody had been there at the armory to, to see him before he was already driving, like they didn't see him until he was driving off in the tank. If somebody had just seen him, because he didn't have his shirt on, he looked disheveled. <laughs> He probably would. He would have smelled of alcohol, apparently. And three tanks, man. He had three. And he tries. Had, he, went, he went. The first one, it didn't. It didn't start. Second one didn't start. Climb in, climb out, climb climbing in, into climb a tank, out, climb in. And it's a little Nobody bit of walking because there's huge vehicles, so you're not like it's not like you can quickly get from one to the other. You got to climb it all the way back down and walk over the next one, climb back up. That's insane. he did that three times. That's insane that there was no security at a armory, but. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. And again, this was a month after the Oklahoma City bombing was, you know, they parked a rider truck in front of a government building and yeah. um, and blew it up. Right. So you yeah. think they'd be he just loved generally it. more careful than that. He loved it. I was looking at the, I do, because I was looking at and trying to remember how I first saw the story. And I remember I saw it on the TV. Well, I guess a it was the world's most amazing videos or whatever. Do you remember that? And destroyed in seconds. Yes. So I think that's where I saw it first. Um, but yeah. And apparently it was in the Simpsons as well. And then I watched the Megadeth video. I did too. <laughs> what was what was your take on that? Uh, I skipped through it. Okay. So you didn't miss anything. But there was a funny part. So basically he's... Um, he's pretending like he's Dave Mustaine is in the role of Sean yeah. Nelson and, and like just clear. Did they know, show him digging a, a shaft? I don't think they might have, if they did, I don't think they did I actually, because he was trying to make it more like dramatic, but they, they had him getting divorced from his wife and like the guy, basically his boss <laughs> walks in, hands him in a big yellow envelope that just has in big Sharpie divorced. divorced. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. But I like that though. All right. Thanks for listening. See you in a minute. And now, on with the show. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things, said Marvin Hemeyer. Whether Hemeyer was a reasonable man is debatable. That he did an unreasonable thing is without a doubt. For on a gray, drizzly day in June 2004, Hemeyer would unleash his wrath on the small Colorado town he called home with the help of a 70-ton machine of destruction. This is the story of the Killdozer. Marvin Hemeyer, originally from South Dakota, had spent his years of uh, Air Force service in Colorado. After his discharge, he remained in Colorado to build a life for himself. He was a self-starter, an independent type, uh, who did not take well to authority, and Colorado felt like the perfect place to him. So you know the you know that type. Oh yeah, I know that type. It's not me. It's the opposite of me. Kind of yeah. They're gonna build everything mm-hmm. themselves. They're gonna generally yep. do everything themselves. Yeah. Kind of real independent. And just type. Didn't want to hear it from anybody. Especially Don't not the government. Him, you can't tell me shit, type of dude. Right. No matter what. But especially Hard-headed. especially if it's oh, like your yeah. town government. <laughs> and, and you'll yeah you'll, you'll get, you will pay. <laughs> In 1991, he moved to the small mountain town of Granby, uh, where he started his own muffler shop. 
He was known as a skilled welder, even welding metal bumpers onto his and his friend's snowmobiles, which he enjoyed racing in his free time. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? In the Did you get a chance mm-hmm. to rewatch? Uh, I didn't get a chance to so rewatch it. There's a documentary it, called Tread about this story. Yeah, it's awesome. You have to watch it. But um, no, I do know, I do remember that he was a master welder. Um, obviously, we'll get to that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. I didn't remember, no, I didn't remember the snowmobile thing, but mm-hmm. that's. It's pretty cool. I mean, like they put like like bumpers on the so they wouldn't tip over or so they could just run into shit i think maybe the the latter okay. like they i think they raced them and stuff so they might have uh hit each other some or you know also trees and stuff mm. but a little bumper snowmobile yeah that okay. sounds like fucking fun marvin was generally well liked in the small town so what sounds dangerous to the motherfucker it does sound dangerous i feel like that could be you could like break your legs doing that yeah Easily, you break your fucking body. Dude. I don't know, but I don't your know. I body. don't know. I know they were racing them. I don't know they were actually running into each other. I'll say that it might have been just to protect in case they ran into a tree. But it would be cool if they were running into each other. Uh, well, to watch, to watch. To yeah, watch. exactly. That's what I'm to mean. watch. All right, move. On. We're moving along. Uh, so he was generally well liked in the small town, but the seeds of discord had planted pretty much from the start of his time in Granby. Opinions differ as to who planted those seeds, but here's what we know. Hemeyer bought the property on which he put his muffler shop in 1992 for $42,000. Another local entrepreneur, Cody Doshev, who had also been at the, the auction, wanted the property for his cement batching plant. Cody Doshev is very similar to uh, Marvin Hemeyer in terms of being exactly the kind of person we were just talking about. Yeah, and I don't think it started as um, like a, a purposeful thing. I think the guy just needed land for the concrete, his concrete plant. And it was available, mm-hmm. and they. I think they were working out a deal, but he was dragged. Uh, Marvin I'm, was dragging. I'm gonna get to that. Okay. Yeah, in just a second. Right. Uh, so, according to Hemeyer, Cody Doshev had some choice words for him after the auction was concluded. Although Doshev would later, I don't know if it's Doshev or Dochev. So I'm just gonna go. I think it's Doshev. Get fancier. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Uh, although he would later deny having spoken to Hemeyer at all at the auction. At, at any rate, though, he did offer to buy the two-acre parcel from Hemeyer, uh, who offered it for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And Doshef agreed, but as soon as he agreed, he might raise the price to $375,000 and then later to a million dollars. There we go. Yeah. So he's, come on, dude. He's an asshole. Um, he just didn't want to sell it at all. It, to that point, uh, Susie Doshef, Cody's wife, said, quote, I just think he set things up to the point where you would have to say no. He probably set you up to say no just so he could get mad at you. And I definitely get the impression he's the kind of guy that likes to hold a grudge. He yeah. definitely oh, does hold a yeah. grudge, but I think he wants to hold a grudge. He wants to start shit with people. Yeah, it's weird. But, yep. Too- but that's just my impression. But No, I think but there's, there's, there's another way to look at it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. Uh, and it wasn't just Doshef that Marvin Hemeyer had beef with. The town had informed him that he would have to install a sewer line connecting his property to the main line, a project that would cost upwards of $80,000. Uh, so he was hoping or thinking that they were going to just do that, and uh, they're they're requiring him to connect to the line yep. to pay for that. Yep. Uh, Hemeyer refused to do this. In the meantime, Cody Doshev, having been unable to reach a deal with Hemeyer to buy his land, petitioned the town to rezone the land around the muffler shop to allow him to construct his cement batch plant or batching plant. So this is where in the mm. documentary they talk about there might have been some unfairness going on because. Cody Doshev was friends with, I think it was the Thompson family who were, who kind of were like basically the elder, like their grandpa Thompson basically founded the town. So they were. Yeah. If I remember correctly, they were all on like on the what? town, the county, the town council or whatever. They're all. Didn't the documentary. This is a, this is a town of 2,200 people, by the way. Yeah. It's a small town. Granby, Colorado. 
Um, their motto is actually Granby, Colorado hath no fury like Marvin scorn. That's their actual. Are you serious? No, I made that shit up. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> the fuck was I talking about? Oh, isn't the documentary kind of set up where he seems credible for a little bit and then it just kind of like, no, he needed to, to tie into the sewer line. He was being a little, well, yeah, a little they, it. they basically, they set up his side of events or his story uh, throughout the early part. Yeah. Okay. And then they started to, to kind of look from the other direction and talk about all the ways that he was definitely in the wrong and acting like acting ridiculous. Cause like you said, the next owner, the owner, the, the people he, he sold that two acre parcel to, they immediately installed the line. Yeah. And Cause you have to, it's like, just do it. <laughs> You'll, you can pay for it from the um, proceeds of your, or from the profits from your muffler shop. And that's what you put. You said so, commercial property. Like what? I mean, and yeah, he he was doing great. It seemed. I think it said it. He was doing great. Yeah, I mean, he was like, he was he was like the skilled welder, incredible welder. He's probably the only one in town, and this is an area where you know they would obviously have a need for yeah welder. I mean, hell, there's a there's a propane distributorship as we'll talk about later. Yeah, in the town of Granby, Colorado. Granby, Everybody's Colorado, car, by the way. Yeah, hath no fury like Marvin scorned. Yeah. Hemeyer vigorously opposed the rezoning during the public hearings held on the matter, but it was ultimately approved in 2001. Uh, moreover, the town proceeded to fine Hemeyer $2,500 for various ordinance violations, including the fact that his property did not have a water and sewer connection. This kind of happened years like later on down the road. But this is where, again, in the documentary, when they're talking his side of events, he felt like this is all part, like they're trying to run him out of town, basically. Yeah. Like, hey, man. You got You have to hook up to water and sewer. He's like, no, I'm not gonna have any water. I'm not taking a shit. So yeah, yeah. He just. I think he just dug a hole outside and shit in that. I mean, why not just have a couple porta potties and just be like, he probably welded. Good. He probably welded his shit. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> the, 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 uh, he that probably, uh, well, he, he took a shit and then he take the blowtorch <laughs> and just blast it away. So I he guess didn't so. need a sewer line. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he was also pissed because they were going to build the cement plant um, and block his shortcut from his house to his shop. Right. That's hilarious. I will see what I saw. Not that it was that, but that it was, it was the only road connecting his shop to the main road. Oh, okay. So it was blocking access to that piece, to his land, to where his muffler shop was. Okay. Well, yeah, this was said it was just a shortcut. And um, the reason he bought the, the bulldozer was to make another shortcut yeah a, a different yeah. one well this, this I, dude loves shortcuts yeah man. well he yeah we just talked about how uh he got fined the 2500 and that was for not having the um property connected and also he had like junk cars on the property yeah and stuff now it could be it could be something where he was like getting harassed because i mean it feels like if the authorities want to go after you they can always find something now granted you fucking have junk cars on your property. Yeah. But it's also a muffler shop. That's not the craziest thing. But No, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you could see it either way, really, um, yeah. is what I'm saying at this point. Um, sure, but isn't every other business and home hooked up to the sewer and water? Yeah, it's weird. So he's just a... It's he's just being difficult. Well, to, I mean, yeah, I, don't think it's not, well, I don't think it's not that he's like, I don't want to be connected to the sewer and water. I think it's that he resents that he has to pay for it. Like, I shouldn't have to pay for this. Y'all should be doing this. What you gotta say, I mean, eighty thousand dollars. That's not. I mean, that's that is a lot. But mm -hmm. yeah. again, the next business came in and did that immediately. Uh, 
Then, moreover, the town proceeded him to fine him $100 a day for every day he operated his business without the water and sewer connection. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> they just shouldn't and, have done that one. And then um, Cody Doshev bought, bought all the land around it. So now he needed to get an easement from Cody Doshev to, to be able to access the parcel or at least, or maybe to use that yeah. shortcut. Maybe he had another way in. Um, but at any rate, yeah, one of his shortcuts was cut off by Cody, Cody Doshev, who would not grant him the easement. Just, man, being petty as fuck. Yeah, this is just some... This is <laughs> Cody Doshev petty. This is some ornery shit right here. Then Hemeyer sued the town of the rezoning, but the lawsuit was ultimately dismissed. And here he got pissed at his, at his attorney when the attorney wouldn't appeal the dismissal. And he felt like, oh, you were just taking my money that whole time. And then later in the documentary, somebody points out, it's like, if he was going to just milk you for your money, he would have taken the appeal. Like, no, because he... he he did. He didn't yeah, would, do the appeal because he's like, you don't have a case, buddy. Yeah, yeah. And we could have gone. Yeah, he round. could. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll dismiss. I'll, yeah, or I'll go to the appeal. I'll do whatever. And he knows he doesn't have to do and any just work. Keep billing him because yeah. he's like, yeah, this isn't gonna go anywhere. So. <laughs> he's like, I don't do any fucking work. I just present the same case. It but in, yeah, instead he uh, he Meyer took that to mean that he had been ripping him off up and <laughs> up until that point. Of course he did. Um, because he's looking. Yeah, exactly. He's looking for beef with people. He just That's why he has difficult. beef with like everybody all over town. Yeah. What a beef starter, man. <laughs> Just beefing everybody around. He must go to Arby's a lot because he likes that beef. We got the beef. Are we sponsored by Arby's now, dude? <laughs> I don't know. Curly's right well, now. Ar- no, it's Arby's. We got the meats. Uh, so anyways, the, the cement batch plant was built while the lawsuit was ongoing, which further enraged Hemeyer as it made him feel that the powers that be were against him. It's basically, which if you were suing somebody to like stop them from building a factory next to your property... It would kind of piss you off if they were building it while the while you were suing the suing them over that very yeah. thing. Yeah, and while he's smiling at him building it. Like, yeah, <laughs> pouring sure concrete. It's like, bitch. Um, yes, yeah, too. Ma- it's too bad that this is before smartphones because I'm sure there would have been some video oh, of yeah. these two going at it at the property line. Motherfucker! Why is everybody southern in my even in their even in Colorado? Even in Colorado. Uh, Hemeyer then purchased a large Komatsu bulldozer from an auction in California and had it shipped to the muffler not to the muffler shop, like in the middle of the night. Yeah, like, yeah. To be specific, a Komatsu D thirty fifty five A bulldozer. Yeah, I left that out because who the thirteen fuck? It's big and a half feet tall. Yeah, track covers eleven feet. <laughs> Length with the blade on is thirty feet long. The blade fourteen feet wide. Max speed, you said. Mm-hmm. 7.9 miles an hour frontwards and backwards. Yeah, it was slow. 49 tons or 98,000 pounds or, guess what, 44,452 kilograms. We love you out there. He Myers was 61 tons after he was done with it, which is 122,000 pounds with 55,338 kilograms. He added 12,000 fucking pounds to the dozer. He's a madman, and I bet it didn't go more than like five miles an hour. Yeah, it weighed seventy tons. Uh, he put about um, what I read thirty tons or so of extra weight on it, so the thing weighed seventy tons. I think the patent tank we talked about in the San Diego rampage weighed like thirty-two tons or yeah. something like that. This was a big boy here. Yeah. So that was the profile of the Komatsu D355A bulldozer. Thank Back you. to you, Matt. Thank you. That was very good. So he bought this bulldozer um, to create a new uh, road access first because he needed another shortcut. 
it might have been a shortcut for a shortcut, but I don't know at what point, but some point he decided um, to, to go a different way with it. Not long after he got it, he wound up having it, having it right next to his. I think when he realized he couldn't do the, because they wouldn't let him do the the road he was trying to do. I think. Right. I think it's So pretty much out. immediately he wound up having to set it out by the road with a for sale sign on it. So it, somewhere along this time yeah. is when he decided to, to, to go on this plan. Uh, in 2003, he sold the property and obtained a six-month lease to remain on the premises. Uh, and he would proceed to sell most of the equipment he had on the property. And he tried to sell the bulldozer, but he couldn't. Nobody would buy it. Yep. Nobody bought the, the bulldozer, and he took it as a sign from God that he should proceed with the plan that he had been germinating in his mind all along. Yep, and also um, a few people came through the shop and didn't mention the bulldozer as he was, uh, as they were looking around or whatever. Never mentioned it, never looked at it, never offered on it. So he took that as a sign as well. So both those things combined was like, it just. Yeah, he thought God he had. He really, like, really thought. He thought God had blinded them from being, like, basically made yeah. it where they didn't see anything. Like God, and God had did that. Yep. Um, that's hey, what listen, we're doing. God works in mysterious ways. That's, so, that's you know. mysterious for sure. Mm. Over the year and a half, so it took him a year and a half to do this, he lived and worked in the muffler shop. Um, but instead of working on mufflers, he was converting his massive Komatsu bulldozer into a homemade tank. Working at night so as not to draw attention to his project, Hemeyer created a steel shell for the machine using two sheets of steel plating with concrete poured in between. The shell protected the cab, the engine, and part of the tracks. It was over a foot thick in some places. Yeah. It was bullet resistant and it was explosive resistant. Resi- resistant. So it's pretty and much it remained that yeah. way to the very end, as we'll talk about. Yeah. Uh, to provide visibility, he mounted cameras on the front, back, and side of the machine, behind three-inch thick Luan, which is, I think is like a clear acrylic. It's a bulletproof uh, acrylic. Yep. 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 You got it. Uh, the cameras were uh, next to the cameras were connected. Um, oh no, the cameras themselves were connected to three monitors inside. Which so that's how you couldn't. There's no um, like periscope thing, thing like tanks have. Right. Uh, he just had cameras to see, um, so he didn't have great visibility with it. But mm-hmm. I mean, he had he had a nice setup where he had it connected yeah. to these three monitors inside. You might get to this, but he, I'm about to. Okay. All right. Compressed air nozzles were affixed next to the camera so he could blow away uh, debris and maintain visibility while operating so the machine. So smart. Yeah. Like so smart. That's that's very well thought because. Imagine, and as we'll talk about, once he, once he got in, he couldn't get back out of this thing. There was no hatch. So, but imagine yeah, if he had not thought of that and then was driving immediately. He's like, I can't see where I'm going. Like, that was good. That, that tells you how much he had thought about this ahead of time. I'm gonna he may, you- like, that, that means you have to um, basically have played it out in your mind mm-hmm. to have, have that insight. And, oh, yeah, you, I need to think about yeah. that. Was he ex-military? Did we talk yeah, about Air Force. Okay. And are you done describing it? Because I wanted to ask you a question about it whenever. Did he make something to where if they dropped a bomb into the air a supply tank or whatever that comes out where it did not go into the actual cockpit that he made? He engineered it somehow so it wouldn't affect him whatsoever. Like, So what I found is uh, when the guy got on top of it, he dropped a, a flashbang grenade into the exhaust pipe and it didn't have any effect. Oh. So, and I didn't read anything that said what you're saying specifically, but he might have, okay. and it would be, right. that would seem to be the case when, you know, the, the guy dropped a, a grenade down one of the exhaust vents and it didn't wind up having any effect. They, they tried lots of explosions and I'm sure they tried to drop it in every hole they could yeah. and they never worked. They wound up having to use a blowtorch to open the, because yeah, cause he shell. made it, he created a fucking 
beast, man. Yeah, two sheets a 70 of steel, ton beast. and then poured concrete, concrete in between it. In man. between it, uh, he also put some fans, snacks, and some sparkling water inside to make oh, the rampage man. a bit more comfortable. I wonder if it was Capri Sun. Oh, that's juice. Capri Sun. That's more yeah, juice. That, that's that's. Juice. Or I wonder if it was Lacroix. Brought to you he by Lacroix. He might have. Yeah. Or Tapo Chico. Some del- some brought delicious. to you by or, Tapo Chico. Or some delicious, clearly Canadian. Oh my God! Yeah. If you're a Canadian listener, please send us some wild cherry, clearly Canadian. It's yeah. not here, and to buy it online is it. very expensive. We miss it. We want it back. Uh, he might refer to his creation as, and I don't know why, the MK tank. Um, I, do you know what MK stands for? Murder kill, maybe. No, maybe. But you should have MDK murder death kill. Yeah. The MDK one eight seven tank. Yeah, that's what they should have called it. That's what yeah. <clears throat> they but he called it the MK tank. Called the, he called it the MK tank. The world haver would come to know it as the killdozer. The killdozer. And do you know where that term originated? Um, like it, this is not. So they called it the killdozer because there was actually a science fiction short story that came out written by a guy. His last name was Sturgeon. I can't remember his first name. But it was about, I'm not going to try to relate the whole plot because it's crazy. Basically, there's a killer bulldozer. Oh, okay. In the in this short story. It's possessed by like an alien or something. Oh, interesting. That, wow. So that's where that in the story is called Killdozer. Okay. But, it, but, it, and, cool. but seriously, Anyways, you wouldn't he's expect to see... three gun ports. <laughs> you wouldn't expect to see uh, uh, an actual story of a killer bulldozer. So it's uh, just like the perfect situation to actually name something. Yeah. Like Killdozer. Yeah. Unless Stephen King wrote it, then I believe it. In the months leading up to the rampage, Hemeyer created several hours worth of audio recording, uh, going into his list of grievances and the people who had done him wrong. He was further of the belief that the action he was about to take, like we said, was sanctioned by God. And on June 4th, 2004, he used a winch to lower the steel shell onto the bulldozer, which I don't know how that's possible, but I guess maybe he, he was ro- it was a remote control, obviously, because how else, yeah. But anyways, he lowered the shell onto the bulldozer, and at that point, he had passed the point of no return because he couldn't get out at that point. Yeah, what he built was so fucking heavy, he had to be inside of it when he lowered it, I would assume, right? Unless he got into a hatch and then welded himself in? I think, I guess the idea was he didn't want to build a hatch, so, so he, he had to lower the whole thing yeah. onto, like, what, the chassis or Yeah, or so he had whatever. to make it heavy enough where they could pick it up, obviously. Because he wasn't going to be outside to weld it. Onto the right, thing, he so couldn't but it, get the, into it. Yeah, so he had to... It had to be perfect, is what I'm saying. Right, Either, yeah. It was crazy. That's crazy that it you could so do that heavy. from inside the mm-hmm. the vehicle, that you can load, that you can lower that down. And I guess he fastened it from the inside, but... And the walls were, again, f- a foot thick with steel on either side of concrete. So that some bitch was heavy. Yeah, I guess he did. I, I was just thinking, he, he, I doubt he fastened it. He wouldn't need to. Yeah, it was... Be, um, it was just <laughs> sitting on it. Yeah, but, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, right? that's crazy. The rampage began with Hemeyer's bulldozer bursting through the wall of his own shop. This was reminiscent. <laughs> this is reminiscent of, and this, which is badass, Crazy. by the way. He should have painted a skull on the front of it. Yeah. But anyways, it's reminiscent of the San Diego tank rampage when he burst out of the gates yeah. of the armory. The previous story you just heard. Right, the one you just listened to. Uh, he immediately headed toward Cody Doshev's cement batching plant, which is right next door. Uh, as the, the killdozer began plowing into the walls of the plant, Cody Doshef, not one to take things lying down, and some of his employees try to stop the steel beast, initially by throwing an iron bar into its tracks in the hopes of breaking them loose. Yeah. Um, but that didn't work at all. No, it did not. Uh, so then Doshef 
decided to pit machine against machine and got his front end loader and headed back into battle. But unfortunately, this thing was no match. Um, no, Doshev's a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> we, got a, we got an idiot versus a crazy person. Right. And I think a crazy person might win every time. Right. Well, the guy who's been preparing for this. Preparing. And a master working on it. Yeah. And knows exactly what he's for doing. For a year and a half. Thought it who's out. been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. He's going to. Yeah. He's already got you. Uh, he. He probably already foresaw you trying to attack him with your front end loader. Yeah, and probably laughing his ass off while he's doing it. Yeah. So, and all the while he's he's trying to dislodge. He, so basically, he's trying to pick him up with the front end loader, and he's just and he was talking about how the wheels of the front end loader were actually just picking up in the back because yeah. obviously he couldn't pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which that's just crazy that he just thought he could do over. that. And all the while, the killdozer was demolishing his business. It was just running into and out of it, just over and over, just demolishing more and more of the wall. Yeah, and there's a lot, there are a lot of pictures of this. Uh, of this i'll post we'll post some pictures on our uh, social media so you can see these they're insane looking yeah he crushed some buildings and some cars in case i didn't mention before because i don't think i did he had three rifles set up mounted inside the the shell but with little gun ports to stick out of he couldn't aim real well he obviously didn't have much visibility for that but he could at least fire off shots and at this point he started firing at doshev but the uh, bullets ricocheted off the bucket of the front end loader, but it was enough to convince him to back off. He had a 50 caliber rifle, um, a 308 semi-automatic, and a 22 long rifle. Mm-hmm. So he had three different guns. Yeah, I, I don't, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, guess he was just going. That's all, what he had, and there we go. We're all, all of them going large uh, guns that could probably. Although he didn't have a cannon, that's too bad. That is too. I mean, you have a tank. Been, you got to have a cannon. I mean, God, that. I'm awesome. sure. He, I'm sure he was really disappointed about that part. Yeah, he was. And so at this point, the cops were on the scene, and several of them had taken positions behind a concrete barrier that was kind of nearby. And at that point, he um, and they started firing on him, but bullets, as we'll say throughout this whole thing, no doing effect, nothing. doing absolutely nothing. Nothing. And so then he headed towards uh, straight for the barricade. The officers scrambled out of way, just uh, out of the way, just in time. And he flattened it and started headed towards the town. As he rumbled into town, uh, police were waiting for him. They were able to walk alongside the slow-moving behemoth, but neither gunshots nor explosives had any effect on it. Uh, one officer, like we said, was able to climb on top of the machine, fire rounds at it, and drop an ex- the flashbang gra- grenade into the exhaust, and it did nothing. Yep. And he later had to jump off to avoid getting hit by debris as... The killdozer kept running into yeah. the buildings. And if you watch Tread, all this is on there, right? You can see all yeah. this stuff. Oh, like, yeah. And I'm sure you just going YouTube. It's crazy, yeah. Plenty of footage of it because there there's helicopters overhead. Yeah. Uh, everyone who knew, everyone, so everyone in the town knew who was operating the machine and had a pretty good idea of where he was headed, and that's yes. Town Hall. Uh, a reverse 911 call, which is, that's where 911 calls you to report an emergency. That's, I, you know what, I highlighted that on my notes because I never heard that before. And when I was reading this, I was like, from verse 911 call. Yeah, that makes sense for this one. Yeah. They were like, hey, get it, get out of your house. But, you know, he. When, the, yeah. So they call you to report an emergency and you have to dispatch police to them and calm them down. It's it's just a way. <laughs> I don't I don't know why they do it, but yeah, so they, that's what they that's do. That's when you get to uh, switch the roles on them and go. Right. Ma'am, calm down. What are you? Where right. are you? Where are you? Calm down. Calm down. We're going to need you to calm down and stay on the phone. Stay on the phone with us. Stay on the phone. They're on the way, ma'am. They're on the way, ma'am. I'm done. All right. Thank you. Um, he might have proceeded to demolish the town hall, uh, which was also the library. Uh, <laughs> the bank, which had returned the check he had written, uh, we mentioned before, for $2,500. Um, 
in which he had written, by the way, cowards on the uh, memo line, uh, the newspaper office, which had portrayed him unkindly in articles about the rezoning dispute. In other words, they presented him truthfully. And the house of the former mayor. Uh, and in all, he would bulldoze 13 buildings over the course of his uh, two-hour rampage. And all of the owners had some connection or another to one of Hemeyer's grievances. Yep. Let me, let me just rattle off what he did. Yep. Just real quick. His own shop wall. The next door. Well, that one was. I'll, I'll give him a pass on that because he had to. He couldn't. I don't think. Well, uh, maybe he, we didn't know if he had a big door or not. Oh, well, here's another thing we didn't mention. So when he before he built the shell on it, when he first got the the um, when he had the bulldozer and decided to do this project, he had to bring it into the shop so he could work on it secretly, and the thing barely cleared the door. And he also took that as a sign from God that he was supposed to do this. Hey, I'm telling you, man, God works in mysterious signs, right, and ways. Well. And so you just what you said. Then he cleared the door, so he could have drove out the door. So I'm adding it. Well, no, because because after oh, that because he, he added the shell, shell and okay. at that point he would. You know what? Forget it then. Forget so, it. So forget his own wall, he which he did plow through. Him, but he still plowed through uh, like the concrete other, plant, the town yeah. hall, the newspaper office, a, a former judge's widow's home, his the judge's widow's home. Yeah, that was the town. That's the crazy. former town mayor. Also, okay, about. that's the same guy. Um, a hardware store, many homes, and of course, smash a few cars and all that stuff. It went on for two hours and seven minutes. Right, man, they and couldn't stop his ass for two hours and seven minutes. Well, there's nothing they could do, and, yep. and they never stopped him. He stopped himself, which we'll get to. Yep. Which is the same thing the tank did. I mean, if you, yeah, yeah. They, they can't stop these things. I mean, I'm just saying. You're uh, listening out there. At one point. Uh, at one point, Hemeyer went to an industrial propane distributorship. This is where it could have been really bad, uh, and fired several shots at an, a large like array of these, you know, those propane tanks, those big yeah, ones, look like submarines. But they're even bigger than the ones you see at houses because they were like industrial. And so he was trying to obviously, I guess, so they blow one up. Um, but goodness. due to the angle of the gun, like we we're talking about, he couldn't really aim it very well. Oh, okay. uh, the the shots were just ricocheting off the bulldozer itself. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Shoo. Had he succeeded, though, it could have been meant death and serious bodily harm to everyone within a half-mile radius. Yeah. They actually considered authorizing the National Guard to attack it. Yeah. so That's it was, crazy. Yeah. Or Apache helicopters. Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that <laughs> in a second. Um, it was around this time, that, uh, during the rampage, when, at, when he was leaving the uh, propane distributorship, that the police, apparently of the same mindset as Cody Doshev had been earlier, decided to pit their own machine against the killdozer. And they requisitioned uh, an industrial scraper for the task. However, the killdozer easily brushed the scraper aside and continued on. And there's footage of it. I mean, it just, it yeah. just moves it right out of the way. Like, no, you can't stop way. the thing. Um, this is crazy. This so is crazy. With no local way of stopping the machine, uh, then Colorado Governor Bill Owens considered deploying an Apache helicopter or using a Haviland anti tank missile to take out the killdozer. However, it was decided that such a strike itself might cause more collateral damage than the killdozer could cause. Um, but at any rate, the discussion would soon be rendered academic. Um, first, the radiator sprung a leak, uh, either due to the gunfire or the stress of the extra 30 tons the machine was carrying. I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to go with the I extra think, weight. I think it's that. Yeah. I, the bullets weren't doing anything all day. I think, it, yeah, you add 30 tons. Yeah. That's going to, and you know, at this point, this is. Two hours into it, that's about all they could yeah. do. And later on, they say they found no evidence of bullet damage. Right. So it was all, yeah. It had to have been the weight, yeah. Um, but this caused the machine to lose power. And then Hemar proceeded to bulldoze, as you mentioned, the local hardware store. That was the last, that was the last store he got. Yeah. Because he was apparently unaware that it had a basement. 
And as it bulldozed along the length of one of its walls, uh, the floor of the building gave way and the killdozer partially fell in and it was now immobilized. Yep. Stuck in the foundation. Just like Sean Nelson with the tank. Yep. He, stuck on the uh, barrier. Went the wrong. Yeah. But although this one's more forgivable because he didn't, he didn't know, I guess he didn't know the place had a basement. Yeah. So it turned, what were into, they a doing that basement? It turned into a perfect anti-tank trap. Were they, so were they little, planning not, anti-tank movements in that basement? Maybe. Okay, well, um, why we'll did investigate it? And we'll was it a basement or was it an anti-tank trap all along? That's what. That's my question. Oh yeah. So once Hemiah realized he could not get his homemade tank loose, uh, he concluded that's cool that you made a homemade tank. That you could say so that. cool. Yeah. Um, he concluded the rampage with the only fatality of the day, his own. Police heard the gunshot, but it would not be until uh, the early morning hours of the following day after using a blowtorch to open the hole in the top of the machine that police would be able to confirm that Hemeyer had shot himself in the head. Hold on. I wonder so how long it how They long actually it tried to explode it. Like, they tried more explosives. At this point, the tank they know the tank is immobilized, and they're pretty sure he, he's killed himself. So they had their time. Yeah. They still tried to blow it open with explosives, and it, they, it still didn't work. I mean, you got to so give they him finally his props. Had, yeah, he, he built a solid... Um, tank they should you know what they, so they had done? to get a, a yeah torch over it they should have been like dude we're not going to kill you we want you to come work for the government to make fucking to make indestructible tanks because you're insane well they probably don't normally weigh 70 tons because it can only run for two hours yeah and then the fucking radiator explodes right um so in the end he caused some seven million dollars worth of damage uh, and left a left behind a legacy that uh, divides opinion with some viewing him as a man who had been wronged by the town authorities and left with no other recourse, but to lash out violently uh, and who did not cause anyone's death, but his own. So some people think he was intentionally avoiding people while others see him as a grudge bearing lunatic who only failed to kill anyone out of circumstance rather than design. I, I agree with the latter. I think he was a lunatic who didn't kill anyone because he couldn't see very well. He wanted, definitely wanted to kill Cody Dushef. Right. But at the same time, I do think he was a fucking genius. And they sold all the pieces to his killdozer off to scrap yards to stop people from buying it. I don't right. know if you knew that or whatever, but yeah. I really, that'd be cool to have a piece of that thing. Cause, and then people started building their own killdozers, which is really cool. Right. So he started something. I mean, that part's cool as hell. Sure, and he didn't yeah. hurt anybody in the end. He did cause a lot of damage. Right. Well, so when they opened the um, the the hatch up, I guess, uh, they found a couple lists. Some of the, the buildings which he had targeted, and, and there were more on there that he didn't get to. But also he had a list of names. Oh, uh, so he probably was, there were that. probably certain people he did specifically want to kill. Oh, I bet Doshev and Cody, was Yeah, Cody Doshev was definitely one of them. I would I, see, I don't know who was on the list, but he got lucky. Yeah, so he, he was wanting to kill at least some people. He may not have generally wanted to kill people around town. Yeah. But it also when you act with a certain level of recklessness, it's like you might as well want to kill them because it's, it's almost as bad when you, yeah. when you're willing to do something so dangerous that somebody could get killed, like shooting at a propane tank. Like what the fuck? Right. Or just running over random cars. Right. So or running in the into buildings. And... Like what the live, the, so the town hall slash library, they were having like a book reading for children in there. Like, and they evacuated like 10 minutes before he bulldozed the place. So and I mean, he didn't, and know, he didn't know. Yeah. Right. So he exactly. killed a bunch of well, kids. You go running into buildings bitch. with a fucking homemade tank. You're showing, um, yeah, what you, you call care. an extreme, uh, indifference to the value of human life. Hey, I just, uh, that just popped in my head. I like that. Mm-hmm. Coin that one. Coined. It's been coined. 
queened. Queen. Yeah. So to, let yeah, us know, so Macabre Mob. What do you think of what Marvin Heemeyer did? Yeah. Email us at macabrepod1 at gmail.com. M A C A B R E pod1 at gmail.com. Is he an asshole or was he. Is he almost is he like wronged by not, the not city? a Robin Hood character, but that sort of like folk hero type of person? Because I think that's how he is for some people. Like, because everybody knows what it feels like when, like, to deal with, like, especially local authority or municipal, like, town authority or whatever, and they do something that pisses you off. Yeah. Or, or, but it could also extend to other situations where you feel like you're helpless to, to do anything, particularly with, like corporations or government. And so, I think a lot of people can empathize with that feeling of like helplessness in the face of authority state authority especially but most people can keep their cool don't lose their well that's why it's like most people would not obviously do this yeah but it's like i I get it it's sort of like uh remember that um movie with michael douglas uh, falling down oh yeah it's sort of like that movie yeah it's sort of imagine that it's basically this is that movie if it took place in a small colorado town yeah and instead of just pretending to go to work every day he built a homemade tank and uh, and demolish the entire the fucking town. town. Yeah. Because right. Granby, Colorado hath no fury like Marvin scorned. All right. Well, yep. I think that's it. Did for you us, have right? any other fact? Do I like to try to, like, yeah. if there's any random yeah. stuff um, or miscellaneous facts, but I don't really have any on this one. I like how you said miscellaneous facts. Miscellaneous. I never heard that before. What, what have you heard? Miscellaneous. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. All right. Well, Do you say aunt or aunt? Aunt. Ant. Yeah. I, you know, I say yeah, ant. Yeah, I say ant. Okay. Wait, do okay. you, let me ask you this before what? we get out of here. Do you brush your teeth with warm water or cold water? Um, Lukewarm. Thank you. You're supposed to. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. If you, you know what, email us, tell us if he's an asshole or if the city did it wrong. Also, email us, tell us if you brush your teeth with warm water or cold water. Or cold because water. there's a serious debate going on in my household. What is and, jo- uh, cold water? Cold water? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It hardens things. I said, "Do you wash the dishes with cold water?" Right. She said, "No." I said, "You want to get everything nice and soft." Oh, or dishes teeth? I said, "Essentially, dummy." Yeah. I didn't it's, call her dummy though. She's beautiful. Yeah. No, you don't want to do that. She's the mother of my child. Anyways, that's it for us today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. Thanks for nothing. Uh, do you have an idea for a show that would fit macabre reality? Email us. I know we told you to email us a lot. Just put it all in one email. Send it on over. You don't remember the email? It's macabrepod1 at gmail.com. M A C A B R E P O D 1 at gmail.com. You can follow us on all our social medias at macabrepod1. We post pictures, as I mentioned before in the episode, um, for each episode. So go ahead and just look it up. And uh, on this one in particular, you can look up two documentaries, basically. So go ahead and do that. And um, please review and tell someone about us because it does help. We are seeing the numbers. So thank you so much. Like we were saying earlier. And I think that's it. You got anything else to say, Matt? Uh, No, I don't have anything else on it. All right. Well, stay safe out there. Be careful not to find yourself in your own macabre reality. Bye. Bye. Wow. All right. Well, say bye, Matt. I already did. What the fuck? All right. Bye-bye.